It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. Have you ever wanted to be, well, a star when it comes to Christian publishing? Or do you have a pension for publishing or for writing? We have the most special guest. It's Jeff Crosby, who is the guy. He's the main publisher there at InterVarsity Press. And uh, he's with us in the program. He's, we're going to talk all about the Christian publishing industry, where it's headed, and learn a little bit more about InterVarsity Press. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much for having me, Mike. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't use the term CEO, I understand, but uh, you're, you're the guy. I mean, you know, I'm not Italian, but you, you're the guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so. I'm privileged to, you know, lead this team. We have nine members of a senior leadership team uh, representing all the different uh, functions and uh, been at it since uh, July 1 of last year, although I've been at IVP for nearly 20 years and been in the in the book retail and publishing world for uh, 34 as of this fall. Yeah. I mean, how does all this happen? Because, I mean, first of all, I don't think people understand there's a huge team of people over IVP. Okay. So uh, assemble this together. Give us a bird's eye view as far as what you're presiding over and how it all works. Sure. Well, it all begins, I would say, with the mission of the company. Uh, you know, there are publishers such as Simon & Schuster in New York, which are very Mm -hmm. market-driven. They are uh, looking for books that are going to to land in the New York Times and on uh, major media uh, channels and so forth. Uh, IVP is a mission-driven organization. Uh, What we do uh, is designed to support uh, the three-pronged, if you will, mission of IVP, which is Uh, to publish resources uh, for the university and the church and the world that ultimately uh, help people uh, grow in their faith, uh, help people encounter faith for the first time, help people who are students uh, to engage across a lot of different disciplines, not just theology and and the Bible, but uh, philosophy and and uh, environment and uh, and psychology, everything. Um, so uh, it, it begins with mission, and uh, it, at our house, it really begins with our editorial department in many ways. What uh, what they acquire is what we in turn have to sell, mm. uh, what we have to market and to publicize, um, and to uh, take orders for and ship and and uh, and derive income from. Uh, so. All of those functions are a part of the senior leadership team, which uh, which I get to work with um, and try to uh, to knit together around that common mission of, of the serving the university, the church, and the world. Yeah. And so when it comes to the Christian publishing industry, I mean, IVP is like, you know, Harvard or Ivy League. I mean, everybody knows that it has a, a great reputation, authors like N.T. Wright and others. And so... Um, you have a lot of, uh, you know, big shoes to, to fill with with uh, keeping such a high level, if you will, where other Christian publishing companies may maybe not have that orthodoxy. Is that always a struggle? Uh, well, we, we certainly keep our mission and our, our doctrinal basis, which is very, very broadly evangelical. It's not, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't pigeonhole us into one uh, one camp that we think of ourselves as being broadly evangelical. You're very kind in saying we're we're the Harvard of publishing. Um, uh, Harvard University Press would be the most Harvard yeah. within the 
Good point. Uh, within the evangelical world, I think you're right. Um, <laughs> I, I think your point is well taken, and we uh, we pride ourselves in that. At the same time, we realize that what has been built over the the 70 years that IVP has been a, a standalone publisher in America, um, it needs to be guarded. It needs to be protected. It needs to be curated. Mm. Uh, it is very easy uh, to uh, to lose one's reputation. It's much much harder to build it. And over time, I think you're right. We we have had that kind of reputation within the church as well as the academy. Absolutely. And so we're we're grateful for that, and we do want to steward that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the quality is there, and you have a lot of scholars too. So let's talk about kind of like. You know, if this was like Hollywood, okay, and you're a Hollywood agent, people would always be coming to you saying, here's my tape, or here's my audition, and do you get a lot of people following you, or just kind of handing you at parties, here's my book, or it's self-published? Does everybody want to be in Christian publishing? Well, uh, increasingly, uh, people, you know, do want to be, and they can be, with with self-publishing options that are available to writers today. It's never been... Uh, easier to to get a book uh, printed or in in digital formats uh, across the the various channels, but I do think it's getting harder to uh, to launch books uh, in in the midst of the the clutter of publishing and in the midst of all of the distractions of uh, social spaces and so forth. It 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 is increasingly challenging to to help a book find its audience, but I. I think a, a traditional publisher like IVP, and there are many of us, uh, we we think of ourselves as first providing the editorial uh, guidance that's needed to to create an exceptional manuscript that has a great chance of reaching an audience, and then uh, doing the marketing and the publicity work and and uh, the design work, which is increasingly very important. What a book looks like and how uh, it looks on the interior, not just the jacket. Incredibly incredibly important. But yes, there are about uh, 100 books that we publish every year, and there are over 2,000 submissions uh, Mm -hmm. that are either through agents or individuals that are serious, and then there are hundreds and hundreds of others that are just sort of, you know, people throwing things out in an email uh, to everyone they can get their hands on. So we turn away far, far more than the public. Well, you see, that's the part that's interesting because everybody is sending their stuff. You know, they want to make it. And I'm sure you get a lot of things that are kind of far reaching. I mean, at one time I was interviewing everybody who was self-published, you know, before getting the uh, the high profile guests, if you will. And some of it was very far reaching, like, you know, angels and demons and uh, coming back from the dead. And do people try too hard in this business? <laughs> Well, um, I've spoken at writers' conferences, Michael, where I, I have this strong sense that there's almost a desperation that if hmm. people feel if if I don't get published, my life is just not going <laughs> to be uh, is not going to be a success. So dramatic. I have, this, <laughs> I have to tell this story about you know the the death of a cat or a dog or on a more serious Mm. level, um, you know, the grieving of, you know, the loss of a child or a marriage or something. And, you know, what we always tell people like that is, you know what, your life is meaningful and your story is meaningful 
whether or not it is ever published by us or anyone else. And perhaps the, you know, the thing you need to do in this moment is just go ahead and write, write to the best of your ability, write almost as a, a spiritual discipline. And then we'll talk a little bit later when you've, when you've uh, had more time to do that. But we, we discourage this sense of, of desperation. And oh, yeah. If you're, if you're not published, you are just not arriving. I'm sure people. I'm sure it's just like acting. You know, the ones that need to act, they they go to community theater. They're always practicing, and it's it's kind of like they're real writers, so they have to write. If they don't write, they it's more about that than getting published for the real writers, right? They have to, exactly. yeah, do their craft. So, I mean, I know in radio, you have your audition tape, okay? And so, in the first maybe five or ten seconds, a program director can tell. If they're going to bring you on a station or not. And so what, what do you think the protocol is when you get a book? Is it like the first 10 seconds, even for some of these singers? You know, you can tell the song is a hit maybe in the first 10 or 20 seconds. What do you look for? Yeah, we we do spend 15 to 30 minutes with most proposals, uh, a minimum of 15 to 30. And if if uh, if it hasn't captured us, if something about it uh, – oh, and by the way, the people who are doing this read quite quickly – so you're digesting all the material in 15 to, to 30 minutes. And if it hasn't uh, captured us uh, as meeting a need and doing so artfully, um, doing so well, uh, then we, we will typically move on. So that, you know, that's not a lot of time to devote uh, to, in your world, a script or a song or, or, or so forth. But uh, the people who are receiving those proposals, they have been doing it for decades and uh, and they they can kind of spot uh, whatever you know they either say oh we're gonna we need more information or we're gonna take this to the publishing committee we're we're going to uh, give serious consideration and then at that point we'll take a week we'll take two weeks sometimes more to really dive into it deeply but you, obviously receiving two thousand proposals a year you can't give all of those no. Week or two. <laughs> so you're looking for something that will capture you in 15 to 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how, like in football or just any sport, really, there's some people who are being scouted, maybe in high school or college, and then they're kind of groomed for the big time. And, uh, and then you get those people who are walk-ons. You know, they walk- and do you feel like okay? So we start maybe with the scholars, or the professors, and some of the people we give the benefit of the doubt that they can write. But here comes someone as a walk-on, if you will, at a left field, and they have this uncanny ability to write. Uh, how often does that happen? You know, probably more often than you might expect. I remember a book years ago by uh, a man named Mike Mason called The Mystery of Marriage, and the story was told, this was published by a, a company called Multnomah Press in, in that day, and uh, it was one that just came across the transom. It wasn't agented, nobody knew who Mike Mason was, uh, but when that book came in, uh, there was an immediate sense, as that walk-on, to use your metaphor, there was an immediate sense something was special about hmm. that. Another example from our line would be J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. Yes. You know, that came across, and very, very quickly, Jim Sire, the editorial director in those days in the 1970s, he said, this is important. I think he may have even hopped on a plane and flown to to London to see the deal. <laughs> So it is true that um, uh, there are uh, there are walk-on uh, authors, uh, you know, who have not been recruited and who do well. What oftentimes happens uh, after 
those stories uh, of the walk-on success is that other publishers see them and seek them out. And so our role as a publisher is to make sure that they have an exceptional experience with us hmm. uh, from the very beginning, the editorial uh, acquisition all the way uh, through the, the first year sales numbers so that they want to remain with us. Absolutely. Jeff, you know, all these uh, books now are becoming big time movies like The Case for Christ. And so is that something that IVP handles? I mean, where they're hoping maybe this we can make this uh, book into a movie? Not often. Uh, we have sold uh, movie rights to a classic IVP book by Calvin Miller called The Singer, uh, but it has never really uh, materialized. The, the rights are still out uh, with that director. Uh, we would love it if it did. But our publishing, uh, you know us from the work you've done with our publicity team, I'm sure that mm-hmm. you know we tend to not be on um, you know, publishing the kind of things or the celebrity uh, driven things or novels that are often um, are often licensed uh, into uh, into movie rights. So we, we certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. Uh, but the kind of publishing we do tends to not lend itself yeah. uh, to that very often. Mm-hmm. Because with IVP, we celebrate it when it happens for others. Mm-hmm. Like the brand IVP, I mean, it's quality. You know that you're getting really top-notch authors, you know, a lot of times scholars. And so it seems like the other Christian publishing companies, I won't mention their name, and they try maybe a little too hard to kind of blend in. You know, and some radio stations are like that too, where you can't tell the difference between a secular station and a Christian station. And so they kind of lose their branding, I would imagine, you know, trying so hard to kind of fit in. Um, When you go to the bookstore, do you get a little bit, if you will, disgusted or frustrated because people, I don't know, they kind of lose themselves in trying to fit in? Yeah. I'm reading a book right now published by a friend of mine named Dave Almack called The Bookstore That Matters. And I have really been struck uh, by the, the wisdom in its pages. And as someone who, along with my wife, Cindy, owned and operated a bookstore for the first 13 years of our career, Uh, I'm resonating with what he's saying, and and part of his critique is that there's not uh, a breadth of books, and then there is also so many sideline products, uh, gifts and other things, cards, that that an avid book reader doesn't necessarily feel welcomed. And I think there are good reasons why booksellers today are doing that, even Barnes & Noble, if you go in. Oh, yeah. Increasingly, they have toys and puzzles. Mm Mm-hmm. And things like that. So I think there are reasons for for it, but it it does um, grieve me how few uh, true, you know, book focused booksellers there are in the United States. And my hope is that uh, we're going to see a spring back in the general trade. We're seeing a, a growth of independent bookstores uh, in the Christian trade. We have not. We're still on a decline. And I hope that we will spring back. But at this point. Um, you know, I, I just don't see signs of that. And so this this book by my friend David Almack is kind of issuing a, a, a challenge to the retailers who remain and to those who may sense a calling to do this. Here is the way you can craft a bookstore that truly matters to your community. These are the things you need to do. And so that would be 
that would be awesome if it happened. Yeah. But we're away from that right now. Yeah, I imagine that, you know, your job as the publisher, you know, the main guy there at, uh, at IVP is that you have to be nimble because it's always changing, the Christian publishing industry. So do you, how do you keep abreast of the curves or where it's going? And, and even with technology, where, where is it going? Yeah. Well, we, we, I and others on our leadership team attend a lot of conferences where we're networking with fellow publishers and also people from outside of the industry. Uh, I believe it's important to benchmark ourselves not only against other publishers, but against other companies in, in, in media and, and in other realms so that you're not just uh, talking you know, within your own uh, industry. Uh, technology has certainly had a massive impact, especially since 1995 when Amazon was formed, calling itself the, the Earth's biggest bookstore. And many of us in publishing and retailing at that time said, <laughs> who are you? You know, what, what gives you the right to say you're the Earth's biggest bookstore? We've never heard of you. Mm. But they knew um, they knew what was going to be possible with the Internet. And they have um created a, an incredibly customer-centric organization that has allowed them, not only in books, but across all of their uh, product assortments to, to do work uh, excellently. So uh, one of the things we do is we try to uh, uh, understand um, when we're launching some new initiative is, you know, what are our goals? How are we going to know if we succeeded or failed? And if we have failed, we try to do so quickly so that um, uh, a failure in a new initiative does not uh, unnecessarily impact our ability to keep moving forward. Yeah. I'm very impacted by a, a writer named Tim Harford and a, a book called Adapt. Um, and that's kind of his three things is, uh, you know, know what you're doing know how to determine success or failure and fail quickly. Well, let's talk about that, because what does failure look like to you? I mean, you can't really. Here you go. You've got a lot of listeners here and, uh, uh, you know, you try to keep it, I guess, uh, a secret. But what what does a failure look like in your business? Well, uh, one is if uh, you do not hit at the end of uh, the fiscal year, if you've not achieved either your your budgeted sales uh, or your budgeted surplus, uh, one or either of those could be constituted a failure. Now, there may be market considerations. Uh, in 08, 09, when we had the great you know, recession, uh, there was a great deal of understanding um, of what was going on. Uh, but certainly, even in a mission-driven company like us, failure could be on the financial side. Another would be uh, if we published a book that uh, we weren't uh, careful about its content for some reason. Someone wasn't really paying close attention, and uh, you published something that was theologically unsound. Uh, I would consider that a failure. Fortunately, yes. uh, that uh, rarely, if ever, has happened in my time here. And uh, another failure is is you know bringing a, a member of the team on and either not onboarding them well or not selecting them well. And very quickly they move on. Uh, I always receive that uh, in in some way as a failure, even though oftentimes it's a shared failure of the employee and the employer. You know, there's so many books, in case you don't know. And when you go to the bookstore, I mean tons of Christian books, and you kind of wonder how many get off the shelf, or, and I mean this with a pun intended, what is the shelf life 
of a book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the book, and how long do you give it before you give it time to either, you know, have legs, if you will? Well, retailers like Dave Almack would be a better person to answer it for the retail store. They generally will give 90 to 120 days. Okay. Uh, if it hasn't sold by then, they will start looking at at returning it. But from a publishing perspective, uh, you're really looking at a, a very long tail. We realize that, um, you know, with as many books as are being published and as few outlets as there are now, other than you know, the two large internet uh, sites, Amazon and ChristianBook.com, you're going, you know, you're in this for a while. And whereas we used to would have think of a a launch period as three to six months, we're talking about it now in 12 to 18. And in addition to that, um, we generally don't let books go out of print anymore. We can do short run printing. We can do what's called print on demand, which is a, a newer technology that allows you to print a single copy at a time to meet demand. Um, and we also have ebooks, which uh, you don't have to print. And so as long as the file is out there and it's correct and accessible at the major um, vendors like Apple and, and Amazon and so forth, uh, books can stay in print literally now forever. There's almost no reason to take a book out of print. Hmm, interesting. I mean, I'm just wondering where you find your talent. I know that you you get submissions, of course. You know they're professors, but do you look for personalities these days? Do you look at bloggers? Where does the talent come from? Yeah, we're certainly looking at platform. Uh, and for some people, that's kind of a dirty word, like you know, about, <laughs> not spiritual. Shouldn't it be about the content um, only, and certainly it begins with the content. Is it sound? Will it help people? Is it within our a wheelhouse as a publisher, um, but very quickly we do have to go to platform, and uh, and sometimes uh, it is, as you said, a blogger or someone who speaks a lot at large venues yes. uh, where they're able to reach a lot of people. Um, we uh, we often look for organizations. You know, are is the author connected to an organization like you know World Relief or International Justice Mission or something like that where uh, they will have use for the book and help us uh, kind of launch it. And then certainly, uh, and not last, but uh, I'll say it last, is, you know, is the content artfully expressed and does the uh, does the author have credibility addressing that particular topic? Um, and it, when all of that comes together, then you typically... Uh, you typically have the the makings of a successful project by whatever metrics, you know, for us, we're a smaller publishing house. What we demand in terms of first year numbers is a lot less than a very large uh, publishing house that might be in New York or Nashville or somewhere like that. Jeff, is this a lot like American Idol? I mean, does everyone think they can write, you know? And, you know, you see Simon Cowell looking at these people, they're they're convinced that they can sing. But I'm sure you get that all the time. You know, people think that they're good writers. And but you said it has to be artfully expressed. And so maybe they should have like an an IVP, like American Idol type of thing where uh, I don't know, or or a workshop. I think people should go to workshop first before they maybe just try. You can't you can't blame people, people for trying, though. Right. No. And unlike, say, playing the guitar or. Uh, the cello or singing, you know, we all write, right? You write, I write, my my children write. Um, And so, yes, we all do think we can write. Um, 
And many, many people think that they can publish. And with self-publishing, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, virtually anyone can. But not everyone should write for publication, <laughs> or not everyone should write um, quickly. Yeah. So the ideas need to gestate. Um, they need to be uh, well-crafted. Or if you're not a great writer, you know, some of our best-selling authors aren't necessarily great writers out of the shoot, but they're editable. You know, they're willing to let an editor work with mm -hmm. them make better. Yes. So, um, but, uh, yeah, we're not in any danger of starting a, an American title <laughs> for publishing. Right Just now. a thought. I always put my two cents in, you know. But let's go back to your background. You know, you got your start in the Christian book industry. You were the owner with your wife, Cindy, of a Lagos uh, bookstore in Bloomington, Indiana. And it was from 1983 to 1993. It's like this is your life. And um, you went on to become the executive director of the Association of Lagos Bookstores. Okay. And so how does all this happen? I mean, for you, where, you know, tell us a little bit about the rise of, you know, where your talents kind of made an impact. And what do you like most about your job now? Yeah. Well, that uh, the emergence of that bookstore work with Cindy uh, really arose out of uh, the relationship with her mom and dad. They ran a bookstore in the Indianapolis area, and I, as a person who did not grow up in the church uh, but came to faith as a young uh, person of 15 or 16, I was deeply impacted by her mom and dad and their store, not only the books but also the music that was that was in the late 70s, early 80s, with the rise of the so-called Jesus music, you may remember. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, I was deeply impacted. And so upon graduation, uh, Cindy and I both felt a distinct calling into uh, that type of work uh, in a university community. And we had an opportunity to buy an existing store that was about to close. Uh, we couldn't have done it if it had been thriving, but because it was failing, we were able uh, to purchase it, and as you said, we did that for uh, 10 years at the retail level and another three or four um, as the director of that association of stores, and it was it was incredible work. What I loved about that was being on the front line, putting books in people's hands and having them come back and say, this is what it had meant to me. And in yes. fact, when we sold that store, we sold it to a woman who had come to faith as a result of the books that we sold her. Amen. But fast forwarding to uh, to the work here at IVP, I am deeply committed to the mission of the organization and, uh, and very mindful of its rich history uh, that I, you know, now get to be uh, both a caretaker of as well as a visionary uh, to, to lead us into the future. I also love working uh, with the team that surrounds me and to see uh, people come together around a common purpose and succeed uh, against our goals, against, you know, the the challenges that are put before us. And there are many uh, there, you know, and when we're able to celebrate together for for whatever reason, either an individual pro project like the Road Back to You uh, book that we released in the fall that has gone like crazy or uh, the overarching yearly goal uh, that's a summary of everything we published it's just it's great fun yeah and you said you had a great experience of course with the uh, the christian book uh store that you had but uh does it pain you a little bit at so many cl uh, family christian bookstore a lot of uh, bookstores are closing now and uh you talked about amazon is is it hard to compete you think with uh with the online world 
Well, we we do uh, compete in some ways, but keep in mind they are also our customer, and so we're we're careful about how we express that. We couldn't exist probably, at least not in our current size, without Amazon or uh, the other large um, online retailers. But absolutely, I lament the closure of the the bookstores and especially uh, Christian bookstores who carried at one time such a breadth of product that is just really challenging. That's why I'm reading uh, the bookstore that matters is to try to to understand the vision that this man who's had a bookstore outside of Philadelphia that has done extremely well, uh, what was it about it and and how can he and I and other people uh, who have uh, a platform within our industry, how can we uh, herald uh, you know the, this message about what what needs to be done to to recover some of, of that uh, for the future because we do believe that uh, some people still need to and want to go into a retail store but the internet suppliers are our partners as well and we're grateful for them yes and Jeff Crosby our special guest he is the main publisher he's it at IVP. And so can I just ask you one last question here? What is the IVP team? I mean, take us behind the scenes. Okay. There's, there's marketing and sales and what else am I missing? And what people, what don't they know about the Christian publishing industry? I think some of the unsung heroes are the people who uh, take the orders, you know, people calling in or faxing in or emailing and saying, I need 10 copies. Uh, I need them tomorrow. And they get that at 10 a.m. one day. They need it, you know, by the next evening. So that's our customer contact center uh, staff. Uh, the other unsung heroes, I believe, are the people who work in the distribution center. They take those orders. Uh, they put them in boxes and, and uh, package them up and send them out to make sure that they're either to the individuals or the intermediary every day. And neither of those groups of people get a whole lot of of kudos from the executives hmm. in our industry and so uh, regularly I bake them muffins or cookies or something and, and walk down and really and, and thank them for uh, for what they're doing but beyond beyond them marketing sales publicity that you're well uh, acquainted with uh, the editorial department the design department and then finance or accounting um, and uh, information technology that pretty much uh, covers the gamut of what we do and we've got about 82 employees I believe 85 hmm. um, and they they all work very hard around that common mission see you make muffins and cookies see I didn't know about that I would have asked you questions <laughs> about that you know, there's a there's another interview you'll have to come back so okay. if people have an idea for a Christian book should we give out your email they, they I'm sure you're not the guy that <laughs> they send it to um, who what if you have an idea for a Christian book or, you know, direct people who are, you know, have a lot of zeal because a lot of our listeners, you know, are self-published. So where do we direct them? Uh, what I would do is encourage them to go to our website, www.ivpress.com. And down at the, if you scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, you'll see uh, a link for submissions. And that would give the prospective writer a uh, some coaching on what we would be looking for, what categories or genres we publish and what we don't, and then who to contact or what address to send something to. Yeah. We appreciate you on the program so much, Jeff Crosby. And, you know, a lot of people who love IBP and the books, uh, we appreciate all the quality that you bring. And, uh, you know, we learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun. I'm sure you have a lot of fun with uh, the work that you do every day, don't you? Absolutely. Thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Michael. Take care.